Yep. Hi, I'm Adam Jury. This is Rob Boyle. We're two-thirds of Post-Human Studios. The other third isn't here. Um, he actually just got his doctorate last Wednesday. And he's moving cross-country for a new job, so he, um, I guess that was more important than Gen Con. But our <laughs> other third is uh, Brian Cross. And a little bit about our company. Um, we have been publishing on our own for about a year and a half. Previously, we both worked for Catalyst Game Labs, and before that, we both worked for FanPro. So Rob and I have been working together for, um, I think this is actually officially 10 years this year. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of vodka Red Bull. <laughs> um, a little bit about our company in the sense that we, um, we operate as, more or less as a collective. There's only three of us, so it means democracy works. Um, we don't have a hierarchy. Uh, nobody is the boss. We, we basically do things according to who, who has the ability to do it and who has the time to do it for the things that we can all do. Um, so we all jointly handle like the financial stuff. We jointly handle like convention planning. We just we just go down the list, divvy up, and then like major tasks. Like Rob is obviously the Eclipse Phase line developer. I handle all of our graphic design and our website management, and we have a person we hired for that. But the core three people, we just um, we make our decisions in our company direction by talking to each other and explaining how we think and feel things might work. And then saying, okay, I want to do X. I want to publish this book. What do we think? Let's vote. And we use democracy. And um, very rarely do we our votes end up being two to one. They're usually three to zero. So Technically, we kind of mostly operate by consensus. Uh, well, we, 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 we <laughs> usually reach consensus before yeah. we need to kind of like, yeah. you know, go down to the nitty gritty of actually like, let's okay. vote to confirm consensus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. Um, so, hey, recent news is um, our publishing relationship with Sandstorm Productions. We terminated that a few weeks ago, a few months ago, actually. Um, so we are completely independent now, which is really awesome. Um, and it means we have more of a say in how our marketing and advertising happens, and we just have complete control of the ship, which is sweet. Um, what was their they were publishing? Uh, Sandstorm handled our logistics, so they dealt with, like, invoicing and um, like coordinating with like the, like the game catalog companies and like the magazines and whatnot, uh, the marketing stuff and, and that kind of thing. And that's all stuff that we know how to do. We just kind of prefer to pay somebody else to do it. But um, now we're just going to do it. Um, and last night we won an Annie Gold for um, Continuity Best Electronic Rock. <laughs> Uh, Gate Crashing and the GM Screen were both nominated for other Ennies, but uh, we didn't manage to take any of those home this year. So there's next year. Any silvers? No, no silvers. Um, I mean, this year was largely dominated by Paizo stuff and then the Dresden Files. So I mean, if you look at the like the, the list of nominees for like any of the major Enny awards, like the, the writing, the artwork, like man, we as gamers are so spoiled because there's so much good stuff out there. So, I know the whole cliche, it's an honor to be nominated, but it actually, it really is in this case. Because um, there's, there's so much good stuff coming out that nobody can really keep up. Awesome. Um, major things we've done recently, um, we released the third printing of Eclipse Phase, which was the, the first printing that Catalyst didn't do. Um, Catalyst had just reprinted the book when we broke away from them, so we sold those off. We uh, reprinted it. I'm sure most of you have already seen it at the booth. 
but it's on better paper, so it's a thicker, sturdier, more it's a little thicker, right? Yeah, yeah, the, the, yeah. The paper is much thicker, and the, the book is heavier. It's like three and a half pounds, um, which is the first thing I like. I ripped open the FedEx box and I got out my kitchen scale, and I'm like, three and a half pounds. Sweet, I made that. <laughs> um, it, we put two ribbon bookmarks in it. There's some errata. There's some new artwork. Um, and that is in game stores now at all, at all the distributors, and that's going pretty well. So it's not—it's definitely—it's not a new edition. It's not even a revised edition. But I think many people will want to grab a copy of it and perhaps pass their old copy on to someone else in the gaming group. I'll take over for Panopticon. Sure. Uh, so the new newest exclusive book is Panopticon. Uh, we, you may have heard this called Hot Fix in the past because that was our working title for it before we actually finalized this title. Um, and originally, uh, Hot Fix, uh, it, the idea behind it was to focus on elements of the game that we didn't want to dedicate an entire source book to, uh, but we still thought were important to cover. Uh, so Panopticon covers habitats, everything you need to know about uh, habitats, the different types, how they work. Uh, specifically how to live, uh, what it's like to live in them and how to hack them uh, because one of the things we wanted to deal with was uh, Eclipses takes place in space and none of us are used to living on space habitats so it's kind of hard to bring that to life. So it's meant to give information uh, to GMs and actually the, the habitat section was written by a guy who's a, who's a payload engineer for NASA. Um, <laughs> and, I was going to ask how you, how you would know a lot of that stuff. Yeah, uh, he was perfect. <laughs> uh, Justin Kugler is his name. I, I hope I'm not mispronouncing that. Um, but yeah, uh, the section he wrote was excellent. And Jack Graham also contributed to that section. Um, uh, so that's the f uh, one part. Uh, it also covers surveillance from above and surveillance from below, uh, the different types of sensor technologies, how different polities uh, handle uh, transparency and like different levels of surveillance. Um, and uh, most importantly, it talks about how to evade surveillance and uh, how to deal with identification and things like that. Um, then it covers uplifts, so it covers the ethics of uh, bringing animals up to human levels of sapience uh, and also smart animals. Uh, it introduces a couple of new uplift species, so we have uh, neopigs, uh, a few more. We have like neobonobos and uh, neoorcas and whales and dolphins and uh, a few things like that. Um, and it covers the different factions uh, that go along with uplifts and the ones that are opposed to them and uh, has some new morphs in there too. Um, and originally this book was supposed to cover a couple of other topics uh, when we were still calling it back, hot fix back in the days. It was also going to deal with crime and threats and uh, I'm forgetting something. Oh, culture. Um, but we decided that was too wide of a net to cast and we wanted to focus on these a little more. So we cut those out and we'll use those in another book somewhere down the line. Um, so uh, after Panopticon, the book we have planned next that's in the draft stage right now uh, is Rimward. So that covers everything from the belt to, uh, to the, the main belt to the quipper belt. Um, oh, that's really loud. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, Classy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it will uh, cover the main factions there, cover the Jovian Republic, uh, cover the Autonomous Alliance. Uh, it will go uh, fairly in-depth into how, uh, you know, anarchist habitats function, uh, since most, none of us have ever lived in an anarchist society. So, um, you know, and also how the Titanians handle their uh, their. Uh, 
techno-socialist democracy uh, and uh, a few other things like that. Um, after Rimward, uh, the plan is to do uh, a player's companion book that right now we're calling Transhuman. Um, and we haven't even started on this one yet, uh, but that's so that will, this will be next year uh, before this one is out. But Transhuman will deal, uh, it will have things like an alternate character creation system, uh, one that is simpler. <laughs> uh, since the one in the core book, you know, it's, it's fine-tuned, uh, you can get very detailed. Uh, we might actually even include two character creation system, alternate character creation systems, one being sort of a random life path generation thing. Uh, you know how, like, in Traveler, you can die during character generation? Well, you'll totally be able to do that in the Eclipse <laughs> one. <laughs> You can come back. Um, so, uh, and then another one that will probably be like a package build one, like a, you you know you buy your Argonaut package or whatever, uh, and you just buy a couple different packages and put them together. So, uh, do some math and have your character. Is it a complaint? Is that yes? Is that something that people are saying? It's one of the things that I, I see as one of the biggest criticisms of the Eclipse rules in terms of the complexity uh, that people say that the character creation is the most complicated. Um, you know, I, I think some people really like that. I personally really like that, being able to do that. But, uh, you know, and there's a trend towards making simpler games. So I think people are looking for, um, you know, if, if, you're, if you're starting off with the game new, I think it can be a little intimidating to have to do all the, that number crunching. Um, and, like, definitely the spreadsheets, you know, that, that makes it easy. And you can always just start with a sample character, too. That's why I've included sample characters in the books. Um, but... You know, for for people that want to to make their own character but not spend several hours uh, with a with a spreadsheet, uh, you know, this will make it quicker. Um, so Transhuman will also cover other character player options. So we'll probably have some new traits, new morphs. Um, uh, but most importantly, it will discuss, it will give advice uh, on how to uh, play different types of characters, like uh, what you can do with an infomorph character, uh, how to get behind the mentality of an uplift, um, you know, things like that. And we might actually, I'm not sure about this yet, uh, one of the things we didn't manage to fit into the core book was... Uh, how to add uh, add-ons for infomorph characters? So to have, because uh, uh, you know your your embodied characters have implants and things like that that they can uh, do. Well, with infomorphs, the idea was that you could you could have software plug-in versions of a lot of those, but we didn't actually manage to get that in the book. Uh, so that might go in transhuman. I'm not sure uh, yet because we haven't gotten that far to figure out what's actually going in the book. Um, but that's one of the options. Um, after Transhuman will be, uh, probably next will be a book called Firewall uh, that will be Guide to the Firewall Conspiracy. Um, and so we'll cover uh, the different factions within the Firewall, uh, the role the Prometheans play, um, uh, how they handle different X-Risks, what the uh, standard operating procedures and protocols are for dealing with different things. Um, and... Again, we still haven't finalized exactly what's going in the book yet, so it might, the, the, the material and threats that we were originally planning on having for Panopticon, we might transfer that to Firewall, or we might do a separate threats book down the line. We're still playing with ideas. Um, uh, after that uh, will likely be a campaign book, uh, which we have a couple different campaign options in mind. Uh, Brian has written one. 
that I'm not going to say anything about because I don't want to spoil it. Uh, we, we have a couple in the works, uh, but again, we're, we're not sure which direction we want to go. Like a setting or like a set of adventures? This will, it will be a campaign source book, so it will be, uh, it's not going to be a canned adventure, it's more going to be like um, uh, the overarching plot to a, a particular like long-lasting scenario and broken down into different uh, uh, components, and then you can build your own scenarios from that. Um, and then we might, along with that, put out a PDF exclusive adventure or a couple of them that tie in specifically to it. Um, so it's it's kind of more of a source book, but it's a campaign guidebook, uh, and it'll have like the major NPCs involved and stuff like that. Um, and uh, beyond that, there's a bunch. The the schedule is not nailed down. There's a bunch of different ideas floating around. Like uh, I guess we might do a uh, a book about crime, different criminal factions how crime has changed uh, with the technology of Eclipse Phase. Um, and uh, there's a few other options, maybe like a HyperCorp source book, uh, maybe uh, uh, a source book that takes a couple of different habitats, uh, like, say, uh, Progress and Extropia and Locus, and focuses on them in detail, you know, so, you know, map them out and talk about the main NPCs there and stuff like that. Um, but we haven't finalized the schedule. We were actually supposed to have a, a three-day post-human summit or a two-day post-human summit right before Gen Con, uh, but Brian suddenly getting a job and having to move and finish his doctorate, totally. <laughs> Something kiboshed that, yeah. so we're uh, rescheduling uh, that for later in the year. Yeah. Um, and we also plan on doing... Uh, our goal with PDF exclusive releases is to be doing is to get to the point where we're doing one a month, um, and we actually have a backlog because we have all the adventures that we did for Gen Con last year that uh, we ha we've only published a couple of them so far. Uh, we we have five new ones. Um, not all of them are actually finished, but we have five new ones, um, and we have some other. Uh, things that so we want to get to the point where we're putting out one PDF a month. Uh, we haven't been able to do that yet, but that's something that's a goal we want to work towards. Um, and it, uh, it's not just going to be adventures because right now we we have a glut of adventures and not much else. The next PDF will actually be about uh, it's a small uh, little setting uh, with a scum swarm and the ships they have and some of the main characters there and a few plot hooks for going with them. Uh, so we want to do a few more things like that. Like we'll probably do another NPC one, uh, like the first one we did. Uh, we might do like a, a bad guy NPC one because a lot of the uh, a lot of the statted antagonists that we put in the books, they're kind of built at a baseline level, so that uh, you know, like the low end, and then game masters can build them up by adding different enhancements. Um, but so we might put together an NPC book that just has uh, more powerful statted bad guys. So if you need to you know, more of a boss fight, you pick those out. Um, and we will probably play around uh, with doing some more stuff like a, like the continuity uh, ebook that won the Any Award. Like, a, uh, if you're familiar with it, it has audio embedded in it. Uh, so we might do some more stuff with that in the future if we can fit that in with some of the adventures. Um, we're looking into other options like that. Um, anything I'm missing for Eclipse's future? I don't really think so. I mean, we have um, time uh, schedule on the on the books. Are you going to stay with one book a year, pretty much? Uh, no, we we want to be doing more than that. Uh, and ideally, we'd like to get to the point where we're doing something like four. But right now, we can't handle it because uh, we're too small uh, <laughs> and we got too much on our plates. Um, so, but two to three. Uh, 
and you know, hopefully three. Uh, so, like I said, room word right now, it's only in the draft stage because of everything that went on with Sandstorm uh, and us having to uh, uh, move away from Sandstorm and we suddenly had to deal with all the Gen Con stuff ourselves and then we lost Brian at the same time so our, <laughs> our production schedule just got tossed uh, the past few months. Uh, so uh, I'm going to get back on track with RoomWord but that's going to be like three to six months before it's out, probably closer to six honestly. Um, and and like I said, we haven't even started on Transhuman yet. I, I need to solicit that with people when I get back. Um, so we'll be building from here. Uh, so it'll be, a, it'll be a slow pickup. Another question related to are you better off if we buy the PDFs or are you better off if we buy the prints if we buy one? Uh, if you if you only buy one uh, for most of our books, if you're look, just looking at pure dollars to us, we make more money if you buy a print book. Okay. Um, I, I'm gonna talk about like a little bit about the electronic stuff. Um, I mean, all our electronic stuff is Creative Commons licensed, which means. Um, you can buy it, you can share it with your friends, you can remix it however you want, and you can share those remixes as long as you give everyone the permission to do the same with your work, and you can um, and you credit us, of course. You can't strip our credits out of it. Um, and the really cool thing is, it this seems that people appreciate that and, and buy it, even though they, they... I mean, technically, nobody needs to buy one of our PDFs because we distribute them for free and then anyone else could, but the, people still buy our PDFs. Um... The Eclipse Face Core Rulebook is, is it platinum or uh, super duper shiny? It, it, is the, it is in the highest, best-selling category on DriveThruRPG. Um, and I think it is one of the, their, their top ten sellers of all time. Um, but I want to address a misconception that um, publishers make way more money on a PDF than they do on a print book. And we do get a higher percentage of the sale price, but the sale price is typically that much lower. And so, it, it, uh, the way our model works out, we do make more money on a print sale, regardless of who you buy it from, than selling a PDF. Um, if we raised our PDF prices, we, we, could, cha we could change that dollar value, um, but we don't think we would sell as many, and in the long term, we would not make as so much money, and we would have fewer people exposed to our game. But I, I don't... We definitely look at the, the, our electronic stuff as, like, individually worth it on its own. It has actual value to people. Um, or I hope it has value to people. I mean, that's yeah. up to the people to determine. Um, but we do think that is actually worth money. If it offers you value, it's worth money. Um, I, I know there's some people that think, um, well, if you get the, you know, buy the print book, I should get the PDF for free. It's like, well, you, you seem to want that PDF awfully badly. Doesn't that mean it's it's worth something to you? But of course, you can just buy our print books and download our PDFs for free if you like. And um, we we um, I mean we do like that. We 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 uh, but we do also like if you buy our PDFs. <laughs> um, and we think that we think they're really reasonably priced as well. Um, with regards to I mean all of them, I think. And that's actually one thing I should also point out is our like a fifteen dollars for the core book and ten dollars for a supplement. Our PDF prices are like about 25% or a little bit more of, of cover. And then our adventures are $5, which might seem a little like out there if you like look at like page count wise. Like, you know, some of our books are 10 times as big as one of our $5 PDFs. Um, but, and that is simply a matter of scale where with the print product, we have the print selling to amortize the costs of the artwork and whatnot. 
Um, in a PDF product, we just have the PDF sales, and maybe in the future, like some print-on-demand compilations or whatnot. But so we have to um, pay our artists, uh, our authors, the, the 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 same that we would pay for a print project. Um, and so some companies don't do that, but we think that's a fair thing to do because that way we can use the exact same talent for our PDF stuff as our print stuff, where we're not handicapping ourselves by essentially you know, using people who are second stringers and we're not insulting people that we like by saying, well, your art's really good, but we can only pay you, you know, $100 for this piece instead of the 200 you normally get. It, it's the same amount of work for an artist to make a piece that's going to go in a PDF as it's going to go in print. So that is one reason why our pricing scheme is, it's simple, but it, it, if you look at it, sometimes some people think it's a little wonky that our adventures and whatnot should be like 99 cents or $1.99. Um, and the simple fact of the matter is there are publishers that have tried doing extremely cheap PDFs all the time, and the reports are along the lines that early on, it's really good, because everyone's like, yay, cheap. Um, but once everyone gets over the initial excitement of it being cheap, um, the, the, the amount of regular sales you get on a sustaining basis don't actually sustain it. So we think there's actually a really sweet price point where you can you know, actually make money and still be low enough to be an impulse buy or easily budgeted for. And that's that's another reason why we keep our prices, you know, only 5, 10, 15 in, in those increments because it's, e it's easy to budget for. The reason I was asking actually was um, White Wolf had a panel a couple of days back and they pretty much said, well, um, the whole reason why you don't see the books in the stores anymore we make way more money on electronic sales and on direct marketing than we could have ever done with uh, with the middleman and having distributors. So, talked about that in the last seminar here. Actually, our uh, technology and RPGs gentleman from White Wolf said the exact same thing. They said he went to the printer and said, "How many books do we have to make to crop with you?" And they put out a number, and he, they didn't like it. So they said, "Fine, we're going to do it electronic and hit twice the number." Hmm. And, and just make way more money because they sold it to print-on-demand books direct to the customers through drive-through. Okay, that's their, their store on top of it, so they don't need to pay margin. Well, I mean, the interesting thing about that, and I mean, uh, White Wolf has been publishing RPGs for well 20 years now. If it's the 20th anniversary of Vampire, yeah. um, and I was I was talking to somebody from White Wolf today, um, basically about this exact same thing. And they have a back catalog of over a thousand titles. So if they have a, a thousand individual PDFs that are for sale, and those are also for sale as POD books, they only need to sell like five of each per month, and they're still their gross is is relatively large. And they don't we need for the production anymore because they have and and they're reusing things that are. Um, 20 years old, so I mean that's you know that, that's long since amortized. And as a matter of fact, for a long time, that stuff since they'd sold out of their print runs, if they didn't have it available anywhere, it wasn't making them any money. And then for the small, the relatively small investment of either taking the the individual the you know, the original graphic design files and turning them into PDFs or scanning and then OCRing them, then they're back up and running on on uh, the business model. Is that was it Scalzi that coined the long tail? Yes. Yeah, the long tail is just essentially like if you have a lot of little things and sell them over time, you make money. Um, and White Wolf can do that because they have a ton of stuff. And there's other companies that could do that if they were willing to monetize their back catalog, Wizards of the Coast. Um, and, I mean, even if you look at a company like well, Pinnacle has been around for a long time and they have 
hundreds of PDFs, I'm sure, you know, that they have a very, they could have a successful long tail, and I'm sure they do. Um, whereas Eclipse Phase is like five books into the game line. Our back sales are, are good are, and consistent, but they are not big enough. They, they simply, the number of titles does not support that many. And it's a simple matter that you cannot apply the same sort of business model of projections to different RPG companies cause, um, and different hobby game companies and I'm sure different taco trucks too um, because they're just well taco trucks are probably all the same but um, you, you just there's just so so many variables and it's I mean you could look at like an, an RPG company from the outside and like look at their books and say oh, this is really cool but like have no real idea of like how many people they employ or how many of those people they pay um, how many of those people get health insurance and that sort of stuff? And also, you, you know, you can look there. I mean, there are companies that have made absolutely gorgeous books that have been popular and well-received, but they still haven't made a dime um, because they, they spent too much money. They didn't, uh, in some cases, they didn't price their book high enough and they, they, they cut, you know, they removed their own ability to make money. Um, and... There's just a lot of ways to publish correctly for you, but there is no one true way to publish correctly, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. Um, I'm a different track, more in the game. I'm actually playing in the Clips Phase campaign right now. I have a very sort of kind of nuts and bolts type question. We're, our characters are on Venus right now. We're going to go to Luna, and one of our characters is an, a, an AGI that uh, wants to be uh, in an arachnid morph, but our GM... Said that arachnids are too big to go around in Luna habitats. This is my character, my character, the generation, which is crazy. Can't, uh, how big are arachnids? I mean, we've been picturing him as like a catch combo from, you know, Ghost in the Shell. Is he going to be able to get around in Luna habitats or not? He is a tank, I mean, I get it, but he's a, you know, a spider, so. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly how I think of him, too, is like the Takikomas or catch combos, I would say. So yeah, I mean maybe tight, maybe a little bit smaller than that, because uh, with the Takikomas you can ride inside them, and you don't need to with the arachnoids, so uh, so they, they don't have that interior space. So I think they'd be sm- smaller, but still like a you know maybe like a smart car or something. You know. Well, I had to yeah. ask. <laughs> yeah. He's good. He's good. Yeah. One more question. I know in a lot of games there's like, you know, it's always your game and you always want to do, you know, whatever you want to do. But, you know, some things like Call of Cthulhu, you don't want to new Cthulhu or have hover fortresses or whatever else because it's really out of character. Are there any things in Eclipse Phase that you feel, or that you've heard of a player doing that you feel, or just in general, that you feel is really contrary to the nature they don't get it? Or it's a great question. <laughs> That, that's it's so wide open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the somebody explains their game, and when they tell you a certain element, you go, oh, really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I mean, like, there's some people that have, have had ways, like, the, of tweaking it that I think were smart. Uh, 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 you guys know who Anders Sandberg is? Sure. Uh, um, uh, he's is a, Andy Sandberg? Anders Oh, God. Uh, I was like, SNL? Sorry. No, no, no. Uh, uh, <laughs> His adventures are great. 
Yeah, he's, he's done a bunch of free adventures there on the, uh, the resources page of the website. Uh, he's like a neuro-philosopher, ethics scientist guy, uh, well-known in transhumanist circles, actually. Um, but uh, he... Uh, like he has a very smart idea for the way he tweaks. I'm not sure actually he does this in his game, but for tweaking eclipses, is that having everybody have cyber brains so that everybody can instantly spin off forks and stuff and do things like that. Like, uh, like that's a smart tweak uh, for for the setting. I think um, uh, makes uh, a little biomorphs a little more. Uh, useful for forking and things like that. Um, when it comes to things that are completely kind of off the setting, um, I'm sure there's been something. I can't, I'm, nothing's coming immediately to mind. <laughs> I, I do think we get some people that um, think, uh, it's a science fiction game, so it's going to replace Traveler for them. And it's 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 not a traveler style game. It's, right, it's like not like a spacefaring. Yeah, you know. like there's there's definitely some. There's been a couple of people who are like all about doing space combat in Eclipse Face, which we were totally not about doing. Um, <laughs> uh, very short. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Very very slow. You've been hit once. <laughs> yeah. Um, Although, like, that's something that we might down, you know, I, I think there's there's enough people that are interested in that that down the line we might do, like, a small PDF supplement that deals with space combat, you know, for people that want that and, you know, deals with ships and vehicles. and um, Yeah, I can't think of anything that's been, like, that's totally made me go, eh, that's not really Eclipse Phase. I mean, uh one of the other criticisms I've heard of Eclipse Phase that's come up is like how we, like the approach we took with religion, um, uh, and how uh, you know like uh, the the influence and spread of organized religion in Eclipse Phase it's fairly minimal uh, in large part because most of the people who were religious died off during the fall and didn't upload and uh, and a lot of the, the concepts that are behind it are kind of nullified by the fact that you can resleeve um, and. And then the, the the religions that have managed to kind of thrive kind of come from the the cultures on Earth that were the ones that were more uh, expanded in space more quickly. Uh, so uh, uh, Islam is is a stronger influence and things like that. So I know some people uh, have tweaked their games where they include like a way stronger religious elements. You know, like they have um, you know, the, the space pope or whatever in Eclipse says. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do, do you think most of the groups? And I'm curious about the, anybody that's playing in here in a regular campaign, which I'm not. Is do you find that most groups are latching on to the firewall as a framework, as sort of a this is a way to get people together and to go and do these things? Because you know what it felt like to me was it felt like old Mayfair Chill, first edition Chill was. Hey, we're, there's a monster hunting organization, and let's use that as a framework. And then when the second edition came out, they said, "You know what? Screw that. You guys know what to do. Just go sort it out." I wondered <laughs> if, if most people were using firewall as an organization or part of it, and if, and if so, if it was like all the time, or if it was just like occasionally you get the bat phone and have to handle something. And that's Strawpole. Who does that? Who plays the firewall campaign? Who doesn't play a firewall campaign? Yes. Yeah, from my sense, from like feedback and talking the forums and stuff, is that most people do firewall, and if they don't, what they seem to do instead are gate crashing expeditions. So not necessarily firewall exactly. focus, just exploration. Yeah. 
I have questions to you, Karen, about putting that campaign book. What in the of your mind is it makes an eclipse phase campaign? And by that I mean not so much themes, but like do you want a variety of settings? Do you want the story to be bigger than one area you can fly around other than like Lunar, like resleeving every so often? Uh, do, do you want to give or do you want to give players like a really defined sandbox? So like, you're in this area of Mars, but you're actually going to change drastically this area of Mars and you know, have them see their own works rather than just like, okay, we blew that up, let's just leave on another planet. That's not a campaign Not the sandbox approach. Uh, it's more like the, what you were originally saying, like covering different areas, like going, going to different locations, dealing with different factions, and more dealing with kind of major events and the fallout from them. Um, things that could potentially be almost like, you know, universe shaking, um, but, uh, you know, and not necessarily that the characters are, are playing, you know, pivotal roles or anything, but they're playing, they're, you know, they might have, be able to steer the course of it in some way uh, and, and are, are involved in what's going on. Um, and this kind of ties into like meta plot too. You know, like some people really love meta plot, some people really hate it. Um, I personally like meta plot, but uh, I, the, you know, I don't like that. In order to keep meta plot going, you eventually, you know, you get to the point where if someone new gets in the game, they have to go back and buy like ten source books and catch up on what's been going on with the plot over the past five ten years. Um, and, and that becomes a, a barrier, an impediment to getting people into the setting. So kind of the, I do want to deal with plot stuff, bigger plot stuff, but the, the approach I want to take is to have it, um, uh, to keep it isolated so that when we put out source books, it will always just be the default Eclipse Face setting. But then when we start to do some plots, of, like we put out this campaign book, and let's say, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say some major habitat gets uh, ruined. Let's say Extropia gets ruined um, uh, as a part of this campaign. But in all the source books we have after that point, Extropia will still be there, but we'll have like, you know, we'll probably have a section in the back or a sidebar somewhere that says, if you did this campaign, here's how to tweak it so it's different. You know, here, here's, how to, here's how to incorporate these elements. So, you know, the, the, the drawback to that is maybe 10 years down the line we might have to have a fairly big section to cover everything but but I but I think that's easier so that yeah, if, if people, dies, yeah, people that want to incorporate all, all the metaplot uh, can do so and you know and the other thing with metaplot is sometimes you know the way it runs for your campaign might not be the way that we deal you know the, the path we decided things went you know so uh, we'll have those options in there, but you don't have to do that. You can just take the default setting and keep it that way. Um, so you basically have one base timeline, and then you have a profit printing of things. Did you consider maybe make a book, a couple of books down the road that just said, okay, our normal setting is 10 years after fall. Um, this is what happened the last five years. Now we're 15 years after fall. Actually, what I, one of the camp, one of the books I'd really like to do at some point. Um, but it's kind of further down the road until yeah. we deal with the core stuff we want to have, is to do eclipses variations. Like, what if the fall took a different route, like a, or a different type of singularity? Um, uh, you know, like, uh, kind of like one of the big debates in transhumanist circles is like, what, you know, what kind of singularity are you going to have? Are you going to have the AI singularity? Are you going to have people uploading first? So then it's human intelligence that's accelerating rather than an artificial one, you know? Um, or are you going to have some sort of nanotech revolution first, you know? Uh, so dealing with like different types of technological singularities, or different dealing with different types of outcomes, or maybe uh, dealing with different types of uh, 
you know, because like we have the the backstory with the ETI, you know, uh, some of the different options with that, like maybe the ETI plays a stronger role. So I, I think it would be interesting to do a, a book at some point that deals with, you know, Eclipse Phase. Alternate universe. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, you know, I want to deal with the actual Eclipse Phase setting right. first. So that's probably two to three years down the line at the earliest. Yeah. Um, you said you planned a firewall book. Mm-hmm. It's scheduled, if not out of date. Um, how, how do you plan on seeing? Because with my characters, we we noticed that, and I like it this way. But character advancement is pretty slow mm-hmm. since it goes by by arc rather than session, and it's like max seven res points or something like that. And I think that's more realistic. And I like that. But my, my characters are more D and D aligned. Uh, most of my players. Um, so I, I was thinking, like, I hadn't talked to a vector first, but now they can talk to a proxy. And then one day, they, one of them might become a proxy. And maybe they're all proxy and making decisions. Is there, like, a, like how's a hierarchy of firewall face? Can you spoil that much? Like, how do you get a promotion in an anarchist? Because <laughs> uh, I've, been, I've been thinking about that's a good way to, mm-hmm. you know, reward them for stuff without, you know, giving them yeah, well, I, I think, um, I mean, I don't know that I have any, like, spelled out solutions for you at the moment. I, like, I think that's the stuff we want to explore with the firewall book, like, specifically, like, how, how, you know, how to have a proxy in your group, or how to be, like, if your characters are more involved with the different proxy factions, or, you know, and, and what that might mean, uh, kind of playing, like, higher level firewall campaigns, too. Um, but also, what, what, you get into there is like how Firewall deals with some of the other major kind of conspiratorial factions and how they overlap and interact because you know there's there's probably some of the other main political entities probably have their own equivalents to Firewall that we haven't even touched on yet you know and and there's probably going to be some relationship drama there that we have to touch on so like what if you're you know, what the Titanians have their own version of firewall, like, and you want to play that route instead, uh, you know, or, and so we'll, we'll probably cover some of that stuff too. Um, yeah. Um, I have a question about uh, kind of what your intention was with, uh, we've got this wealth of various habitats and places to go, but the book kind of also sets it up that moving between places in space is prohibitively, maybe not prohibitively, but very expensive and difficult and risk-prone, with the exception of maybe being able to ego-cast, although there's a lot of places that don't even accept ego-casts. You know, it's kind of, how did you envision the the mobility of players in in something like that? In that, you know, we have all these places to go, but maybe not a way to get there easily. I mean, it's not meant to be prohibitively restricted. It's it's meant to be uh, a challenge sometimes. Um, and if you're working a firewall campaign, a lot of times firewall is going to open that door for you, and and you know cover the cost, cover your resleeving, and things like that. Um, and that was like, uh, you know, one of the things with Eclipse is because you the rules we have, it's kind of easy to kind of go munchkin in the game and 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 take your character out of control if a, if a GM doesn't keep a, a lid on it. But one of, the, one of the tools a GM has is kind of restricting those options. So restricting what morphs are available. And, and <laughs> um, so, uh, or, you know, maybe you get the morph you want, but it comes with the, the planned obsolescence or something, or, you know, it comes with implants that you didn't want or, uh, you know. Um, 
so it, like we, but in terms of travel, for the most part, you know, we expect people to be ego casting around rather than taking spaceships, unless the spaceship is part of the plot, unless like you know the plot involves you know taking a cruise to Mars and it's a murder mystery on the cruise or something, you know, um, uh, or most of the space travel we meant to be kind of local so you know you're going from a habitat to the nearby moon or to the habitats in the neighborhood uh, the rest of the time we expect people to be ego casting for the most part so you're not supposed to fly from Mars to Titan yeah I mean you can it's going to take you <laughs> um, along those lines when do you think you'll have uh, are you planning on any, on any of the supplements and rules on like when you go from say Venus to Mars with the ego tech but you have all your equipment on Venus, uh, and how you know you want to sell your stuff so you can get new stuff in Mars. Are you going to have some sort of guideline? Have you ever find any rules on like one like random or some sort of like more traits, you know, or like this is more random morph history tables or something like that, or uh, you know how quickly you can liquidate stuff to buy stuff on the new planet or something like that. Oh uh, well, actually, one of the things that. Uh, uh, Brian and I had talked about it just very briefly uh, for uh, we were having a discussion about traits at one point for the transhuman book was like a resources type trait that would have uh, you know so so instead of spending money all the time on things that you could just you would have access to a certain level of, of equipment uh, you know so stuff that's low you could easily get and you could assume to get it or you know maybe or maybe x number of pieces of low cost equipment or something like that to make that sort of thing easier uh, and at this point I don't know if that will actually make it in the book yeah for the most part yeah you know you either got to do the math and do the um, or have the GM hand wave it but again you know a lot of times firewall will be giving you the stuff you need for your mission uh, at least the basics so mostly what you have to just worry about is anything you know if you really want a specific type of gun or you want that extra ammo or you know that's the stuff you got to deal with yeah, directly tying into that, that that's one issue that I, I had with people playing character making characters for test games and stuff like that boils pretty much down to the player who likes to play the, the well-rounded, well-equipped character, the first time he dies, he feels like, okay, great, now I can make a new character because my equipment is gone, and there goes like a third of my, of my character points while Mr. Everything is in my mind, he says, oh yeah, I'm ego casting around right. here, it doesn't really matter where I get stuck because I have all my potential in my brain. Mm -hmm. um, and in some ways, what it, what it eventually leads to is that most players try to go as light as possible in what they put into their, into their morph because it just becomes disposable because you, once you get the first mission, your plasma rifle isn't getting you anywhere. And it doesn't really help you that you spend a lot of points on that. So it's, it would be nice if there would be a way to make use of it because currently a good part of the character creation options are kind of, kind of pointless. Okay. Now yeah, I'll keep that in mind for the... I mean, yeah. do you have a, was that intended? How do you deal with that when you played? Um... I mean, like, uh, I tend to do the sort of thing where I give the players what they need. Uh, and, it, you know... Uh, yeah, for, a resourceful for, person is resourceful regardless right. of where they are. Yeah. Um, I mean... I, honestly, when I GM, I, I, I vary between being really nice and being really brutal, depending on the situation. <laughs> you know? like, like, sometimes I'm like, yeah, you know... It, just pick what you want out of, out of the gear section, and, yeah. you know, because you're you're in a major city, you've got the time, you yeah. got it. Uh, other times I'm like, you're screwed. There's nothing around. <laughs> you know, you're not going to have the money. Yeah, you just lost all your gear, but sometimes life's hard. Um, so, 
but you're playing uh, different ninja clans and you're either trying to assassinate or defend different targets. Um, and our plan is to uh, get that out over the next year. And we've also got some other stuff in the works that we're not ready to talk about yet, but we do have other games that we plan to do. Uh, although none of them are RPGs yet. <laughs> They're all uh, uh, card games or board games. Um, do you plan to bring out the other material that has been published for the Genesis eventually? Or? Um, right now we do not planned, we do not have a plan. <laughs> right? Was there a lot published in Germany? Not a lot, but there's there are like, a couple extra books. Yeah, there's a, there's three, four source books in German. There's there's a there's a source book for one of the factions, the Spitalians. There's a setting source book for the one of the main cities called Justician. Uh, there's a Psychonaut source book about the Psychonauts. Um, and I think there's a campaign book. I think um, there was a second faction book, but I might. But did they do marsh the the marshals the? Yeah. I don't remember it. Honestly. Yeah, they might have done the second faction book. Um, uh, but he's basically he was working on a second edition of Genesis, but then he basically stopped. He got a different job and he had kids and hasn't been publishing. <laughs> um, so. Uh, what we we have uh, we'll probably put out a couple of English uh, language PDF adventures for this. Uh, beyond that, um, we're kind of waiting to see what the how how it's accepted. Um, we're still talking about the options of doing an actual print run. Um, but first thing we'll off was we wanted to get out there as a PDF, and it will be available as POD too. So that was our main thing was just getting it out there. Um, and if it gets accepted, well, uh, you know, we'll very likely do more of it. All right, awesome. Um, we're running over our time. So uh, thanks, everyone, for coming. Mm -hmm.